0: Good morning, it's a good to see y'all today, um, hope y'all had a good week, and uh, let's go Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your love and your mercy, your grace, and pray that you would take this this word and, and let it be yours in, in our hearts and our lives, and just help us to be attentive to your word, and that you would open the eyes of our, our heart to to see where we need to change, God. and That we would uh, listen to your Spirit's direction, God. Just take this message and let it be yours in, in our life, God. And we just thank you and we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, if you could turn to uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, verse 12 and as you're turning to, to 1 Peter chapter 4 uh, verse 12 I would like you to to think about the idea of, of glory and, and victory and and, and think about uh, how nice would it be how nice would it be to be a uh, professional athlete that got paid uh, millions of dollars you know, millions of dollars well, well here's the crazy thing um, in today's world, we have video games, and guess what? You can do in a video game. You can be anything you want to. Okay, like you can be an NFL star. You can be an MLB star. In fact, you can. You, there's video games on your phone and probably in consoles where. You can be a farmer, like you can farm thousands of acres, have a whole brood of chickens, like be a professional, like all this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, you, you can go on YouTube and you can watch the uh, Real Tree channel and guess what you can see? All you're gonna see is these big, huge deer, right? But here's the thing, with all of those situations, in the sports situations, you may get to play as, a, as an NFL star or an MLB star, but guess what you're not going to get? You're not going to get paid the same as an athlete star. And then also, uh, you will not be working out like a professional athlete. You know, uh, and, and so we, we look at that, and, and we know that we want the glory, we want the win, we want uh, the victory. But if we want a real victory, we have to understand that it costs us in real life. And and so, if you would turn, if you would stand with me as we read First uh, Peter chapter four, verse twelve. It says, "Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy if you are reproached for the name of, uh, for the name of Christ. Blessed are you for the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Uh, on their part, He is blasphemed, but on your part, He is glorified. But that none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian... Let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? So you may be seated. So as as we go through the book of of 1 Peter, we find that this is a continuing theme uh, through the book of 1 Peter. And and here's the thing. Uh, The reason why is that people in in Peter's day were not very different from me and you. And as people, we can hear something one time, maybe two times, maybe three times, maybe four times. But for us to really understand you know, what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to respond, oftentimes it requires us to hear the same message multiple times in different avenues. And, and so Peter, he, he starts this out, and you would think we're in chapter 4. Like this is not the beginning of the book of 1 Peter, and guess what Guess what Peter is still trying to tell him to do? Look, uh, suffering is going to happen in your life. And, and so he gives him this Very uh, particular instruction, and he says, "Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though something weird has happened here." Now, now, here is the crazy part: is that you know the the audience that Peter's talking about was even closer to Jesus' death and resurrection. So, so, like, if anybody should have known that to, to be a Christian means to to suffer, they they should have gotten the message. Because, I mean, they, they almost understood this. And, and so Peter said, what was happening was, they were saying, look, you know, we turned away from our old life. We gave up our sin. We came to Jesus. Everything should be okay. But guess what? It's not okay. Like, I thought if I just gave up my sin... And started following Jesus that that everything would kind of fall into place. But but these people, see, these these early Christians, they were discovering that actually, you know, the the more you follow and are committed to Jesus and stand up for Jesus, uh, actually the more difficulty that that you experience. Now now Peter uses this word strange, right? So so essentially the early Christians, they thought that they did not deserve for this to happen to them. But what they were forgetting about was the impact of their decision, right? So so we're not just talking about when, when we become a Christian. It's not this thing where all we did was we walked an aisle, we prayed a prayer, but it is a translation of our heart and soul from hell to the glories of heaven Because of Jesus Christ. And so then we become a identify with Jesus. We identify with the Savior. We identify with the Redeemer. And we live in a world that is is ruled by sin, by wickedness, and, and by evil. And the one thing that, see, the enemy does not want to happen is he doesn't want more of that to happen. And, and so the lie that, that these early Christians were believing is that when, when they experience suffering, they're like, man, I must be doing something wrong. Like, you know, something must have gone awry. I must have made a, a, a difficult and bad decision and God must be abandoning me. But see, what they, they were forgetting is that uh, their relationship with Christ did not mean that all of the suffering went away. But it meant that Jesus would walk with them through their suffering. and, and we have to be very careful when we talk about suffering in, in today's world because we all probably define suffering a little different you know and, and what we're talking about here is that you know the, these are the Christians that they were exercising their faith, and Peter knew that at some point they were going to be persecuted. For their faith, like for the right, doing the right thing. Now, us, like we think about suffering, and, and if we're honest here, uh, our idea of suffering is a little different than, than what Peter's talking about here. You know, for example, like if you've ever gone to a restaurant, you know, and you're really hungry, I mean, you're starving to death, you know, I mean, it's like life or death, and, and you get there, and you order, and guess what happens? They don't get it Right? They don't get it right. So in that moment, you know what we think we're doing, man. We suffer, right? Like man, we we are suffering, or, or you know, maybe maybe we come to church and and something just doesn't go our way. You know, like we all love each other to death, but somebody doesn't listen to us, right? And so in that moment, what what do we think we're doing, man? We suffering for Jesus. We'll, we'll see. So it's important that we define. What the Apostle Peter is talking about here, because if, if we get it wrong, guess what we're going to do? Well, about man, praise God, I'm suffering for Jesus. When we we not suffering for Jesus, we just suffering for like Matthew, you know, and that doesn't produce the same kind of results here. And, and the important thing that, that Peter was saying is that there is nothing that can get you off track like suffering. There's nothing like it. Because oftentimes what happens is that uh, we, we start out this journey of Christianity and we're happy that we're going to heaven. We're happy that we're saved. We're happy that we're forgiven. And even though God has given us heaven, like you think about, you think about what God has given. He's given us heaven. And then we have all this stuff going on in our life. And, and in that one moment, that one little moment, to where we have to suffer without something and experience pain, what, what usually happens? Well, Jesus must not love me. He must have forsaken me. I, don't, I mean, where is God at? Like, you know, and then here he has, he has provided heaven for us. And, and so Peter was saying, look, if, if you count on being a Christian, count on suffering. That's that's what you have to do. And and he was trying to convey the fact that Christianity that doesn't cost you anything is not worth anything at all. And 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 so it's very similar to, to this, you know. Have you ever noticed the grateful attitude of little people? You ever notice that? Little children? Like really and realistically, you've done a lot of good stuff for them, important stuff. Like they need lights. Okay, it's nice. They need running water. They need, uh, you know, little Debbie cakes. You know, they need their, their apple juice. They need, you know, love. They need all this stuff. And you provide the big stuff up here, but then have you ever noticed that they can, they throw these tantrums? And 90% of the time, what, what are these tantrums over? Is it really life changing stuff? I'm talking like, you know, they're going to life or death? No, I mean, it could be you looked at them wrong. You know I mean, you look at them wrong, you know you, you you're working on their food, and they' act like you're going to starve them to death, all these problems, but in reality, you've loved them, you've provided for them, you've given them the big stuff and but they can't see that they they can't see that and, and so what the apostle Peter is saying in the, in his verses here that that as followers of Christ, we don't have to let suffering. Rule our emotions, our attitude in our life because God has already given us everything that we need in redemption in heaven and that even if it's not okay here, guess what is going to happen because of Jesus? It's going to be okay then. Right? And, and so we realize that and it gives us the ability to face suffering without giving up on God. And to realize that just because we're having a bad day doesn't mean that, that God has abandoned us. And so then it goes on to say, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. Now see, this is not, and I guarantee you, I guarantee you that people then, no different than people now, if you was getting this letter, right, you was looking for some encouragement. You was looking for some consolation. You was looking for, like, I need something to speak to my heart today. And guess what the message you receive when you open that letter up is? Well, look, I hear about this suffering you got going on, and and here's what I want you to do. Man, be excited. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, what kind of sense does that make, right? It makes no sense at all. But but Peter goes on, he says, look, uh, but rejoice. So the question is, like, how in the world can you rejoice? Because you know what we want to do when we're in that moment? We want to do everything but rejoice. And we like to do a lot of things, right? We want somebody to talk to that will listen to our problems but not give us a solution, just listen to our problems, you know. We, we want to talk to other people about it. We want to be consoled about it. But, but here's what Peter said. The only solution. For your suffering. Is that you have to look to something. Outside. Of yourself. That that every ounce of suffering. Deals. With every physical aspect of your life. And that you have this wonderful gift. Of a relationship. With Jesus Christ. And it says. But rejoice to the extent that you partake. Of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceedingly joy. Now, here's the key there. When did it say you're going to be happy? It didn't necessarily say now, but it says when? At the end of the story, at the end of the process. And and the key here is that it, it talks about suffering in a very particular way here. It says suffering, suffering that uh, deals with Christ's sufferings. You are, are experiencing suffering along with Jesus. So, so if you go down to a deeper level on that, that means that, that you are experiencing hardship because of your decision to do what's right and follow Jesus. Okay? Now, and, and so therefore, there is a, a joy in that. Because all of us know, like we know about the, uh, the, the horrible, wicked uh, scene of the cross of Jesus. We know that. And, and if you could think about it, if you was there that day, how would you feel? You would feel defeated, you would feel depressed, you would feel like there's no hope. But also, what happens? Well, on the other side of that, we have the resurrection, we, we have the joy, we have the, uh, Jesus sitting down at, at the right hand of, of the Father. And so what does that mean? That means that when we suffer with Jesus, for Jesus, then God always provides a reward. And when we get to the other side, now that's the key there. Get to the other side, that's when we can celebrate. And, and the, more, the most difficult thing is that, that sometimes we will not get our reward until we enter into the gates of heaven. And that's the most difficult thing. And the only way that we can deal with that is to to realize that Jesus is the greatest treasure of our hearts. And if we were to be honest, like 90% of our issues in life and problems and destruction and broken hearts stems from the fact that Jesus is not the treasure of our hearts. And when we make that decision to make him the treasure of our hearts, then we have the ability to go through suffering, difficult days, and wait for the reward because we already have the joy and, and the glory that that we desire. But sometimes waiting is hard, you know. Sometimes waiting is difficult, you know. I, I remember on the radio a few years ago, the uh, the guy, the talking guys, you know, he was talking about when he was in college, he was not a very good student. Like, he kind of liked to partake in the uh, social activities, you know? And you got your social people, and you've got your book people. And, and so he, he was a socialite, but he was a, a roommate with a guy. And, man, all he did was study. I mean, study, 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 study. He, I mean, he'd come in, that guy would be over there studying. It's like he didn't even have a life. Uh, but his point was that he enjoyed the socialness, But when it was all said and done, you know, in in college usually seems like an eternity, you know, but but in reality it's only four years. At the end of those four years, this guy, this radio guy was like, man, I could say I had a lot of good friends, my friend list, you know, had a lot of good times, but my little buddy who studies, he uh, he went on to med school, became a doctor, you know, millionaire, like all this kind of stuff. And so, but in those moments, right? In those moments, man, this this one guy he accepted one form of rejoicing. Okay, so he had the rejoicing of the happiness of the social environment. This other guy over here, he said, you know what? I think I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna postpone the rejoicing. I'm gonna postpone the rejoicing. And and so, if we look at this, that is the key that we have to understand as Christians. That if we want to really enjoy being a Christian, if that's what we want to do, if we want to see the stuff that happens in the New Testament happen in our lives, then we have to put off the momentary rejoicing of what the world has to offer and accept the burden of, of the cross that we are to carry as Christians, and then we will see... That reward. So then it goes on to say, uh, "If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. Right, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of glo- of, of glory and of God rests upon you." Now, think about this. Now, like when you think about being reproached. Now, what what this means is this. This means like. Somebody insults your character. Somebody attacks your name. You know, th- This is different than just putting you down and stealing your stuff. But this is where they have made an attack on you and your character and, and your name and, and your person. So when you think about reproach, there is something that we don't think goes together with that. And, and that would be blessed. right? We think about blessed, what do you think? You think about people liking you, people enjoying you, you know, having a good name. And so, but why are, why are we blessed, right? It says this, uh, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Think about that. So even though on the outside, you know, you have this reproach. You have, you know, people insulting you. And, and here, again, is, is the key. It doesn't say reproach, insult you because you got mad and insulted them. But it says reproach for the name of Christ. Blessed are you for the Holy Spirit of God lives within your soul. And, and here's the thing, though. A lot of times, you know, you look at that. And you say, well, that's an effect. But but in reality, what has happened here is that when you have the Holy Spirit and, and presence of God living within your life and your heart, then, then you are going to live for the glory of the name of Jesus. And, and that's going to affect the world. And that's going to reproach your name. And, and therefore, you're blessed because God gets to call your life home. right? And, and you think about the wonderful news that if that is, like, like, even think about the, the glory of a, a leader, right? And, and what is that? The, the president. If you go to the kingdom of any kingdom around the world and, and you go to, to the king's palace, are, are you going to see like some kind of dump, you know, with the worst kind of handiwork you've ever seen in your life? You're not. now like you go to the, the president's house, is it kind of nice? It's nice, right? It's it's nice. But in in order to be that, the president, that's where the president lives. And and so we look at this, and oftentimes that word right there, reproach, it can affect us. I mean, it gets us angry at people, you know, it makes us want to lash out. But here's what the apostle Peter is saying is that, man, if you belong to Jesus, that means that God Dwells within your heart and within your soul. So, therefore, if God dwells with you, what else do you have to be afraid of? Like all of these people, you know, I mean, they can't have that effect on you. And so, so, if we find that our life is like this and like this, like this, like this, like this, probably it's because we have forgotten that God dwells within our heart and our soul. And, and so then it goes on to say, on their part He is blasphemed, and on your part He is glorified. And then here comes the important part. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. All right. So, So the key here is that if you want the reward of suffering, then you have to make sure you're on the right page. That you're right on the right team. Because if you're on the wrong team, guess what's going to happen? God has no favorites. I mean, you're going to get the consequences of your sin. And, and so, he talks about here, and I always love reading some of these letters because, I mean, these were real churches. Real churches. Real Christian people. And, and what, does, what does the Apostle Peter say? What, I mean, what does he say? Like He says, look... <laughs> Let none of you suffer as a murdered thief, evildoer, or busybody. Like, was people really wanting to kill each other? You know? I mean, I, we can see the busybody. We can see that. You know? We can see the thievery. We can see that. But the point here is that Paul, Peter knew that people are going to be people. And, and a lot of times, as people, like we hear a sermon, you know, we hear this, or we hear a message, just like Peter's people heard this letter, and he knew. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, when Peter wrote this, he knew who he was thinking about when he said thieves. okay? He knew who he was thinking about when he said busybodies. He knew all this stuff. And what he did not want to happen was that these people hear this message and this letter to them, and they say, oh man, I got a reward because I'm suffering for Jesus, when in reality, they were just suffering for themselves, right? And, and so we look at this and we have to, this is kind of a filter to look at when everything's go south in our life. And say, so, look, you know, why is this happening to me? And if we trace our steps back to some of our sinful actions, then guess what we know? We know that we have to get right with God. Like we have to come clean with God. And as we come clean with God, God will begin to clean up our lives. But we have to make that choice and we have to make that decision uh, in our lives. And then it says, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for the judgment to begin at the house of God. So we look at this last section here and, and he said, look, there's, there's two differences. The lost suffer and the Christians suffer. But it's the thing about the, the suffering of the Christian for Jesus is that God uses these trials to refine us. All right? so, so you think about it like this. Like, if you have kids, you love them. You love them. Now sometimes, if you notice, you would like to put them outside. Okay? I'm not saying you know, any names here, but you know, you'd like to put them outside. But you can't do that. So as people, what do we do with our children? We try to refine them, okay? We're like, hey, you can't be doing that, you can't be doing this. And so, you know, maybe we, we discipline them, right? And and that's not an enjoyable process, but yet through that process, hopefully at some point it clicks, and guess what happens? They become great they become great people. Now, one thing we do not do is we wish if we could a lot of times, but we don't refine other people's kids. We we wish if we could. You know, I mean maybe if you're, you know, and go to school, teach or something like that. You wish if you could refine them real good. But but you can't like your own kids. And and so that's what the apostle Peter is saying is that God is so good. Like he is so good he can take the suffering that we experience in our life and he can use that to transform our spiritual lives to make it to make it stronger. And the key that we have to remember is that look, once God begins to try to do this, guess what is a great idea? To learn the lesson the first time. Because just like you're not going to give up on your kid, guess what God's not going to do? Praise God He's not going to give up on you, okay? Now, that's kind of scary because He's going to continue, but that's what... Uh, Peter's saying here. And the scary thing is, this is what Peter was saying too, is that for those who are unbelievers, see, they will experience uh, a much greater fear. And that is that when they come to, to the end of their lives, they will be judged by God with no hope. Because they rejected Jesus as Savior and Lord of their lives. And so it says in, uh, in verse... Eighteen. Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good as to a faithful Creator. Right? So, what Peter was saying here is that, look, the sufferings of this world will try to make you believe that God is not faithful. But that one day at the end of the story, we will realize how faithful God was. And in that day, you don't want to be in that position where you jump ship on God, where you doubt His faithfulness, where you did your, did your own thing. And, and the key here is, you, you look at this little quote that he talks about, he says, if the righteous one is scarcely saved. Scarcely saved. right?" So here's the thing. We forget sometimes that every one of us in this room, if we did not have Jesus as our Savior and Lord, it doesn't matter how many times we've been here. It doesn't matter if you've been here every time the doors are open. It doesn't matter how much we give. You know, It doesn't matter if we check, can check all the boxes in the Sunday school. And I don't know a whole lot of people can do that. But if you can do that, you know, and all this stuff without Jesus, we are nothing. And and so tonight, today, that is the question that we first have to answer is, you know, have we made that decision for Jesus to be the source of our salvation? And then if we're a Christian, guess what we have to do? We have to ask ourselves, what are we propping our salvation up on? Because show me a Christian who props salvation up on all this other stuff, and you're going to see a Christian who is aggravated, who is the source of conflict, who is... It's disappointed. in it his lack of joy. And so today, we can choose to let Jesus be the source, and we will feel that burden go away. And then lastly, before we have this invitation, we have to ask ourselves, what is the attitude of the suffering in our life? And are we the cause of that suffering? And need to ask for repentance, that conflict. You know, or secondly, have we believed the lie that the suffering means God's not faithful when in fact He is? And then lastly, when it comes to terms with, with suffering, to realize that, man, God is going to use that in our lives if we will let Him walk with us. And so as we have a invitation and, and the music plays, we can ask God to intervene and to give us faith in those difficult moments.